It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Your winner, by majority decision, and new Canelo Alvarez beating Triple G this past weekend. We've got that. We've got Lemieux, Spike O'Sullivan, Jaime Munguia, and Brandon Cook, plus much, much more on this week's episode of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news. News, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome everybody, it's episode 48 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. And we're going to be talking about the big one, Canelo versus Triple G today. And we've got a guest on the show today, the man, the myth, the legend from Twitter that is known as DJ Boxing Blog. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having us on. No, it's great to have you on, mate. It's, uh, it's, it's really good to have you on. I see a lot of interaction on Twitter. You've got a, a lot of great opinions. And I thought, you know what? If I get in contact with Stephen, I think, right, let's get him on. I've seen you on the podcast. I'll have heard you on the other podcast that you've been on. And I thought, you know what? He needs to come on this podcast and we need to get him on. Need to hear his opinions about Canelo Triple G at the weekend and I think that's where we need to start if anywhere is all, all, yeah, the, all man, the talk of it no no not at all <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sort of start it with you then I think I think what I want to know is um, I, I have read some of your stuff on Twitter and I have read your opinions but it's great to hear it from you so robbery or non-robbery that's the first question not a robbery definitely not you know there was just so many close rounds in there that if you scored it either way you know, if you couldn't say that one man won it decisively, you know, you could have swung it either way. And so it's definitely not a robbery. You know, people just, I think people have forgot how to just enjoy a close fight nowadays. No, I agree. I, I agree with you. I mean, I said when I did this episode last week when I was doing a bit of a preview of it, I said, for me, I thought Golovkin was going to take this, but I did say it was going to be a close fight. And when Canelo scored the winner on it, I thought, to be fair, it was a pretty close fight and some rounds that you could have interpreted could have gone either way. So when they put the scorecards out at 115-113, I thought, right, hang on a minute. 
this is another close fight. It's probably going to go potentially either way. But I wasn't surprised, to be honest with you. I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, I think the Vegas judges, they like the aggressive fighter. They like the come-forward fighter. And I think that's we've seen uh, a mirror opposite of the first fight, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of bamboozled everybody. Because even when I did my preview, as well, um, I, yeah, I picked him as well. And then when he, and, I, and I thought that Canelo was going to come into this and be a bit more mobile. Uh, because he's coming in a bit late, and then when I when I seen like the first four, five, six rounds, you go, "Whoa, Canelo's like to- he's totally changed," and it caught Triple G out. Triple G, it, it, I mean, I know he, he was boxing off the back foot, but he wasn't comfortable boxing off the back foot, and he was really struggling. I thought the first rounds, I thought Triple G looked as if he was really struggling physically, and um, Canelo's body work was starting to break him down, and you know. It was it was it was fantastic to see until it got to about the eighth, and it was as if Triple G switched. He switched on in the two, and I mean it was it was superb boxing. The skill and technical ability on show was like it was second to none. You know, it's a fight I'll go back and watch. No, I, I agree. I do agree with you. I, again, I sat there making a the prediction last week of Golovkin winning, and then Canelo came out and just gave us a completely different fight from the first fight for me, and the the aggressiveness, the the way he stood centre ring and didn't back up once was I was really impressed with it to be honest with you I'm really impressed with it and I know I, I've personally slated him you know I was a bit I let down by the whole Clem Brutal situation and I, I, I was hoping Golovkin from that perspective would win the fight but I think he's kind of like I'm not justifying his Clem Brutal scandal but can't deny how good of a fighter he is you know that that's just shown to me he's, he's, he's the complete fighter I mean think back to when he fought Floyd Mayweather 2013 he was schooled in that fight and everybody said you know too young too young for this too you know way too young but he'll come again and Mayweather said it himself he, he will go on to be a, a really great fighter and he, he's not wrong yeah I I think when we watched that the other night there, what it, it reminded me of was uh, Andre Ward. You know, it reminded me, uh, no, no stylistically, but the way that Andre Ward can adapt to anything. You know, he can change. He's no good. He can adapt. Yeah. to He'll figure you out. He'll figure out how he's going to beat you. And I think Canelo did that with Triple G the other night. Yes, it was close. But I thought the better, the better work and the cleaner work all came from Canelo marginally, you know, the, the eye-catching stuff yeah. came for Canelo, but then again, if it would have went the other way, I would have had absolutely zero complaints about it. No, I was the same. I was absolutely the same. I mean, obviously, Twitter blew up, Facebook blew up, Instagram blew up on on Sunday, early hours of Sunday morning. Everybody was, you know, going mad. They were saying, you know, actually, thinking about it, there was even professionals in the game that couldn't even separate the two. There was like, you'd have a few fighters... You know, not mention any names. Have a few fighters on social media saying, "Yeah, Canelo easily won that." He was blah 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 blah. And then you had a few of them on the other side of the fence. You know, professional trainers, coaches that I know of that were saying, "No, Golovkin won that fight. He he, he outlanded Canelo. He landed some of the cleaner work throughout the fight." And it was just one of them fights where you, you no matter what happened in it, it, it was that close that you, like you said, you can't really have a complaint about the winner. And no matter how which way you want to try and butter it up, it's it is what it is. Canelo's now middleweight king essentially. He's become the king of the middleweights now. And it's the next question is: Do you want to see a third fight between the two? Ah, uh, definitely. Um, because I I think Golovkin is going to struggle to get opponents if Canelo again for a third time. Because who's going to who's going to want to fight Triple G? You know, if he's there's no reward there for you. You know what I mean? He's not yeah. got nothing anymore. So I think Triple G needs 
the third fight and they should be out shouting shouting for the rooftops about it you know I was a bit disappointed when he just stormed at the ring but from what I hear it was there was a bit of trouble with his brother so I don't know if he just wanted out of the ring he just wanted out of the arena or if it was actually he was disgusted with the, the result or what but I thought he should have stayed there and he should have put his marker down and kind of got Canelo to answer you know put say, yeah, I'll give you a third fight, that's no problem, we'll do this again, you know, so you kind of get something you can hold Kenelty and hold Oscar Del Hoyerty, but now he's missed that opportunity. Yeah, another thing that I didn't touch on before was um, the fact that Golovkin has got, uh, is it 80 or 85% knockout ratio uh, on his record, and, you know, he was a, he's this fearsome puncher, and Canelo's been in there now 24 rounds with him, and I don't think I've even seen one part of any of them 24 rounds where I've seen Canelo in any sort of trouble. Yes, yeah, I know that there was a, a there was a punch that the, the commentators, uh, I think it may have been round 10, or a punch that get, it landed. And, you know, it, it looked on TV as if his legs semied, uh, like kind of stiffened up. But then he slipped six shots. Triple G threw six one around you go that. He's no hurt. You know, he's, just, he, he's tired and his legs. He, but the way the commentators were making it as if, like, oh, he was in the verge of going down. It was, it, it, the way he slipped his six shots, it was like, you thought it was Floyd Mayweather. It, it sat there and goes like, you, you hear the, the granite chin of Golovkin, you know, and there's no dispute in that. But nobody ever really gave Canelo any credit for his chin, and it is superb. It, it did feel like um, it did feel like there was a lot of pro sort of Golovkin commentary going on. To be honest with you, throughout the fight, I, I chose to ignore it. Uh, to, if I'm being totally honest, because I think there's the amount of fights where the commentators have a massive influence over what's going on in the ring in terms of the way people would essentially score it and I mean let's let's be honest like we're guys that love the sport we're guys that write about the sport but we're not professional judges at the end of the day we're not trained to look at punches landed we're not trained to look at the footwork of a fighter we're not we're not professionally trained to do that so we're kind of like a lot of other people who may just have a little bit more knowledge to be able to give a bit more of a of an informed decision but it's for me it was just one of them things where no matter what happens they're all gonna people are gonna shout about it from the rooftops for for weeks and weeks on end and I don't think it's ever gonna go away unless they have a third fight to be honest Uh, some people have said on social media they don't want to see a third fight they think Golovkin will be too old he'll be 37 potentially by the time that happens they don't want to see a third fight I want to see a third fight. I think it, it makes business sense. It makes you know great money in America, of course. Great TV deals. So why not do it again? Uh, have another twelve rounds. Let's, I think we're due a decent trilogy, anyway, aren't we? Well, I, that's something I've been saying for a while. What happened to the days of trilogies? You know, it seems as if like, we only get one fight now, and that's it. And the winner takes all. You know, let's get let's start bringing these trilogies back. And um, but I, I agree. I, I think that the way triple. I don't think the age is going to play a major factor, you know. Uh, if anything, the other, the other night there, you seen he was blown, he was struggling in round six. Yeah. By round eight, he looked like a new fighter again. You know, he'd pressed the reset button and he, and he looked the fresher out of uh, him and Canelo, like getting into the later round. I don't, I don't really buy into it, oh, he's 37, so oh, nobody's good at fight. I think these guys could, I think what we should do is just like, get them to just just fight until we get <laughs> somebody claps. I mean, just, just that's going to be the and get away with all this uh, robbery nonsense. Yeah, no. People are just getting too emotionally involved. 
No, I, I, I agree. Everyone, the thing is, everyone's got a favourite between the two of them, uh, and, and no matter which way you, you, you look at it, they're always going to go for the, the, the favourite, and they're always going to try and find a way for, for their fighter to have won that fight, whether it be Canelo's aggression throughout the fight and the work rate throughout the fight, or whether it was the fact that Golovkin boxed on the back foot and, you know, at points during the fight, it looked like he got some really clean landed shots on Canelo, and I, again, it's, it's, I can sit here and talk about this till the cows come home, to be honest with you, because it it's a situation where we've seen it before this is the second time now we want to see it a third time we want to see it happen sooner rather than later I could watch these two guys fight ten times and I still wouldn't be bored of it yeah uh, th- that's it and, and, and uh, this robbery stuff it's like I think that too many people treat this like, like football you know you've got a one team you know like, I'm a Celtic man like, watch it and it's Celtic do it's just you know I couldn't care less about anything else yeah. so like that with boxing you've got to appreciate the other, what the other man's doing you know you can't people will find find evidence to suit their narrative things that and, and that that ruined it for me and I find it very exhausting after every big fight now that we're getting people that it just they just can't sit back and enjoy you know it's got to be if guys that maybe only watch two or three fights a year if the judges score it different for them it's a robbery. It's a disgrace. I mean, half the people that were saying it was a robbery only had Triple G up with one or two rounds. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're sitting there going, well, you're just defeating your own argument then, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, again, I agree with that. What do you make of um, What do you make of the uh, media ringside scoring? I've I seen it on Twitter. At the I think there was a few people had scored Canelo the winner and it was something ridiculous like 34 ringside media observers had scored the fight to Golovkin. Yeah, well, see, this is a thing. It's like Canelo speak English, right? Yeah. And he chooses not to, right? Canelo doesn't doesn't do media, right? See, what he, like, you know, he's got his in the media that he will talk to. That's it. He doesn't like the pro Golovkin ones. Now Golovkin is a very friendly guy, but there because he has to. He's not the superstar, you know. He's, he's building a career later on, you know, he, he, so he's out there and he, he's mingling and he's getting his interviews done with every single platform. Now, me, that, that doesn't give these media guys a vested interest in backing a love case the same way fans are biased. You know, I've even seen it when George Gross fought Eubank. Did somebody in the, the, the media know have it like, uh, like you only give George Gross three rounds in that fight? <laughs> you know, that's how bizarre like, the, the media school just is biased biased as fans you know yeah no <laughs> well yeah i agree i think everyone again i think first and foremost a lot of us are just fans from, from the beginning but then the people that do all the, all the media work all the writing uh, the podcasting articles all this type of stuff i i think there's always as, as impartial and objective as we try to be i think some people always have that sort of slight lean towards a certain fighter or a certain favorite in the fight and you kind of when you go into it and you try and if you you try and score it you kind of like i said earlier you're trying to give the fighter that you sort of want to win i think you're clutching at straws half the time and i think that's what a lot of people do they clutch at straws they find any way for their fighter to have won that fight whether it be oh they was really aggressive but yet they didn't land very many punches and it was all coughing punches or whether they boxed on the back foot only got one or two shots off per round but yet they boxed beautifully you know everyone looks for a way to, to find their man to win don't they yeah, well, that, that's it. I mean, it, it, I mean, there was probably about six swing rounds in there, right? 
and in the first fight you probably had about probably about five, four or five swing rounds. Now the people that scored that for gave Golovkin the swing rounds in the first fight would have been saying that Canelo backwards and not scoring actually Canelo how Canelo was boxing in the back foot, which is Canelo. And then, but these same people this time would have been saying, "Oh, it's even though Canelo was being aggressive, said, oh, no boxing off the back foot, you know, like totally switching the totally switching just man." And it's like that there's no consistency with these kind of people. These people that were shouting that uh, Canelo, right? I've not said that Triple G ran in that fight. Well, the two of them boxed pretty similarly, so I don't understand. It's just an narrative to fall in with their feelings that's it that's all that rather than ourselves yeah no i agree i mean i don't want to spend all of the podcast talking about this because there's other stuff to talk about today there's uh, <laughs> yeah, so- <laughs> i know i know that's the thing with this fight it, it, it's a fight i was really excited for i know you was really excited for it we all had a lot of social interaction going on and we was all making our predictions and you know we've now got the result it's done and dusted now now we've got to wait to see what happens next i think um i think for us it's kind of we want the trilogy it's just a case of when we're going to get this trilogy and if it will happen or whether or not they're going to go in different directions now because I can't see who else Golovkin could fight I mean Canelo I could I could pick loads of opponents and say yeah I'd love to see him going with X, Y and Z but I think with Golovkin I think you said it earlier he's going to struggle to get a fight who else he's going to want to well I suppose actually from a standpoint he's now been defeated he's been shown that someone like Canelo's gone in there and done 24 rounds with him and seemingly not been hurt is there going to be more fighters and promoters out there that are going to think, actually, yeah, he's there for the taking now? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, his power doesn't look to be there at elite level. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, so maybe maybe the power has been overrated. Um, so maybe you, Charlo, who say, I'll, I'll take that, I'll take that fight. But then again, I just, I just don't see it because he's not only that. He doesn't need to knock you. He's got that jab. The way he throws it, he disguises it. If he, he doesn't like, he, he doesn't pull his arm back. He kind of throws it straight for the middle. It's, it's, it's a beautiful jab in the power of ball. I mean, when he was catching Canelo the other night, uh, he, he, Canelo didn't even see it coming, you know, because the not move. Um, so you know, Golovkin doesn't need to just knock you. You know, he can beat you with just sheer boxing skill. The the, the guy, the guy is brilliant in there to watch. If if we didn't get a third fight between the two, uh, realistically, who would you see for either man going in next? Well, I think the Golden Boy is going to push, and I think that David Lemieux might even be man. I'm not sure. I'm not hundred percent on that. You might be being installed as a mandatory. And I don't really know where Golov can go. I don't know if he would fancy moving up. I really don't know if he would fancy moving up because, uh, you know, uh, super middleweight isn't... You know, he might be able to go up there and cafe and uh, get a, become like another champion. I think I think if he moved up, though, for me now, if he moves up, it's a way... I'm not saying it's going to happen. I wouldn't suggest it because if he can't trouble uh, an elite fighter in the middleweight division, then how is he going to fare against an elite fighter in super middleweight division? And let's be honest, he shouldn't really be going into anything but elite fights at this stage of his career. Yeah, but and super middleweight isn't very static. George Groves was probably one or two up there. You know, underneath that, you've got Callum Smith. And I know Callum Smith, but the way Callum Smith stands up straight, you know, doesn't know zero head movement. Golovkin yeah. would just stay with that jab. You know, you could see him beating them. Well, Callum Smith could just be about to win. I don't think he will, but 
it, you know, he could. So if you put Golovkin in with him, I would back Golovkin every day of the week moving up. But he's not a bit, he's better than the guys that's up there. He's got far superior boxing skill. So he might be wanting to just leave this episode behind him and just move up, secure his own legacy. It's quite possible. Do I want to see it happen? Probably not. I, I, I got my preference, as we were saying earlier about preferences. I want to see him fight. Canelo again, I think that's logically the only other fight I'd want to see him in. I mean, I heard there was talk of Billy Joe Saunders fighting him uh, a few months ago and obviously we're going to talk about Billy Joe Saunders a little bit later on and, and what's been going on with him, but that was a fight that I was quite interested in a couple of months ago when they was putting it out there. And that Would you still want to see that? Would that be a feasible fight for him in the middleweight division given that Billy Joe's got WBO at the moment? Well, you know, I've seen even for the first fight, that Billy Joe Saunders gives both of these guys fit. Now, Billy's no got the, the power that you need at elite level to keep guys like this off, but it, it, it could easily take six rounds off of either of these men, but I think eventually they, they, they would walk him down. So I would still like to see I would still like to see that fight because that's intriguing, you know, there's no mug in the ring. No, I, I agree with that one. We're going to talk about Billy Joe a little bit later on, actually, because um, I think everybody knows about it, but I want to get your thoughts on it because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of... I think people find it hilarious, but in reality, it's not really a hilarious situation. So, But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. I want to talk about the undercard of that Triple G and Canelo uh, event this weekend. We had David Lemieux, Spike O'Sullivan, ended in round number one with uh, a left hook, which I didn't actually think had a lot of power in it. I mean, I didn't receive it i wasn't on the end of that punch to be fair but it just didn't look like the type of left hook that i'd finish a fight but it did and <laughs> spike o'sullivan his uh his chances of becoming a, a middleweight con- well a middleweight uh contender champion whatever it, it is gone i don't think he's got any other chances now i think that was it yeah i think we we seen there jabbed him to the body and you seen you kind of seen spike Realised that he was in with somebody that just had far too much power. Um, he gave up far too much weight in rehydration. I mean, I think that in there there was uh, something like that. There were two weight divisions between the two on one fight night. You know, that's far too much. Um, David Lemieux kind of hurt him on the cheek. It didn't catch the jaw. It was, no. it was a strange one and it just seemed to scramble. Uh, Spike's brain and I think he I don't think he had a choice but if he would have made it up um, he could have got seriously hurted you know he, he, he's kind of looked drunk when he was uh, coming back about you know so it was it was good that the fight actually ended when it did because he could have got a bad one spike. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I was I was surprised with how quickly it ended. To be honest, I, I did expect it to end in that type of a fashion. I did expect either one of them to either go over, but I didn't expect it to end so quick. And David Lemieux, obviously, like you said earlier, is is potentially being put in a mandatory position for one of the middleweight crowns. So if that's the case. If we don't see the Triple G, Canelo number three, we're possibly going to see Canelo and Lemieux next. And I, th- I think, and obviously, given the way Canelo's performed against Triple G on two occasions, I, th- I think he'd be the heavy favourite to-, to-, to win that fight. Yeah, but I mean, Spike Lesbian, I mean, he's not, he's not anywhere near. I mean, you'd say Lemieux's a gatekeeper for probably world level. You know, getting into that. You would say Spike's probably European. You know, he's done well for himself. He's got himself a big paycheck there, but he should never have been fighting there. You know, he should never have been in the ring with Lemieux. Um, that's pretty much it. So I wouldn't take too much from this fight for Lemieux. I still think he's... I don't think Lemieux is very good. He's in love with his own power. And 
I mean, it might look as if he's a banger when he's in against Spike Sullivan, but as we see with Golovkin, when you go in against uh, uh, Golovkin and Canelo, when you go in against elite level guys, I mean, the, the, it's a different, it's a different range of power you need, you know, and I, I don't think that's what Lemieux's got. No, I will like it's not just that as well. I think Billy Joe Saunders shown him up, didn't he, last year, uh, last December when he boxed him. He, anyone that's got any, you know, great boxing ability, and there's quite a few of them in that division, are going to run rings around him the same way Billy Joe did, I think. And uh, I, I, I think I agree with what you're saying about him being a gate- gatekeeper for world level. I think his power uh, probably made him look a lot better than in reality what he actually is. And I think we're going to see him maybe get one big fight and then I don't think I'd, I'd probably see him again on world title level if uh, if Canelo blasted him out the same way he just blasted Spike O'Sullivan out. I think that's what I'd expect, uh, the, the way it goes down. Yeah, well, it's like Lemieux, you know, you've got to... Because he's another one that's made himself a lot of money being very average. You know, Lemieux at one time did look as if he was going to be, you know... A, Oh, but then he started this. Uh, he just started becoming lazy, you know, planting his feet and swinging. Yeah. And and um, and, and that won't get you so far, you know. It won't get you so far. Uh, but you know, best of luck to him. He's, he's he's earned his money and he's took he's took some knockouts and some beatings. So uh, hopefully, hopefully gets his big fight with Canelo and then he kind of moves over. But you know, there's guys like Charlo and that coming through. So maybe they want to pick the bones of him as well. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you could see them fights potentially in the future. I mean, you've seen the likes of Lucy and Butte up at Super Middleweight. You know, once this fearful fighter destroyed by Carl Froch came back and he was kind of a little bit of a gatekeeper for world level, weren't he, as well? You know, he had some good fights with uh, with James DeGale and I can't remember who else he fought, but he, he had a couple of good fights in the Super Middleweight division when he came back. But, but could, Badu Jack, didn't That's he? it, yeah, Badu Jack, you're right. Did he beat Badu Jack? Did know? No, it might, was it was it was it a draw? It might have been a draw actually, and it, uh, I think it might have been jobbed. I think that rings a bell. I don't know. It, it was a few. I, I remember that. Yeah, so the, I mean, uh, I'm. That's I, I kind of stuff back after that. You know, just a grafter, a guy that, a guy that's the exact opposite of David Lemieux, a guy who just work with what he's got. You know, yeah. only just sit there and bang. What did you think of uh, Jaime Munguia, Brandon Cook, Jaime Munguia? Um, a lot of people saying he's uh, boxing's next big star. Do you think he is? Well, it looks as if Golden Boy are going to try and feed him to Canelo, if you ask me. Um, and the reason that is serve that, that boy up to Triple G when Canelo was getting his suspension. Yeah. You know, so there were, I don't know. Might try and assess. Maybe he's more popular than the, the, the first anticipated. I mean, I... I if I was him, I would be worried about uh, who's actually looking after his career. Um, but, you know, fair play to the lad. Actually, this year, he's fought some really good opponents. I thought Liam Beefy Smith put through the paces, gave him a good fight. It doesn't look as if... Uh, it, 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 brand, that Brandon Cook fight, that was just there for him to look good, you know. Get get everybody ready for the big one coming up. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, so far, so far for me, for Munguia, since he beat Saddam Ali earlier on this year, he's announced himself on the world stage at the age of, what, 21? They touted him for Golovkin. That didn't happen. You know, he was relatively, uh, it was relatively sort of unknown worldwide. And he's, in the space of, what, six months, he's made himself... 
well known, beating the likes of Saddam Ali, winning the title, beating Liam Smith, uh, and then going in there and beating Brandon Cook. And like, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying there about the fact that they may be trying to hand feed him to to Canelo, but. They've got to realise that they've they've got a potential star on the hands here, and he he, he is still pretty raw uh, in the ring as well. He does make mistakes. He's got flaws there that can be exploited by an elite level fighter. But if nurtured in the right way, this guy could go on to be well, essentially like the next Canelo, couldn't he? As that, I mean, at twenty one, you're never a master at anything. At twenty one year old, no no matter what career you're in, so he's got the raw. Everything's there to make it. All the raw ingredients are there to make. You know, he's got the power. He's a big lad. You know, I can. I don't know how he makes the one fight. Understand that he's a freak. Um, but he's got the power there as well. But he, he's got the fundamentals. But he, he, there's also mistakes that you're seeing him making time and time again. So you know, until he starts addressing that, and you see him maybe like tightening up. You know, just stuff like that. You know, getting caught. There's a lot of times when he throws a punch and then doesn't bring his hand straight back. You know, and he leaves his cell open to a counter. But it's Liam Beefy Smith was. Due uh, respect to Beefy, he's not the greatest, and he's been able to exploit his mistakes. You know, so maybe maybe just keeping them active and keeping them running about that that level that they're matching him at the now uh, and seeing where he is in a year's time uh, before they make another assessment on him. You know, but. I thought when they were, they were trying to feed them to Triple G, you're going, ah, well, you know this guy, you know. But uh, maybe their opinion's changing as he's getting more popular. Yeah, I'd be interested to see who they stick him in with next. I mean, uh, you've got the likes of Jarrett Hurd and Charlo in the division as well. I mean, I mean, <laughs> if Kel Brook wants a big fight in the super welterweight division, there's one for you. I think uh, I think Jaime Munguia, you know, might just uh, do a bit of a number on him, you know, if he fought him. <laughs> I don't even. Oh, he would. He would. He, he would just pummel him into the ground, and that's why nobody in this country is even mentioning Jaime Munguia's name. He put in with Brook, and they would rather see Brook drop back down to one four seven and chase Amir Khan. Um, does just one five four is just for Canelo left it. It's exploded, and yeah, uh, I, I would probably say it's my favourite division. The guys just need to get a wee bit more active. But oh my God, the talent there. Is to none for me. Um, you know, as you said, your Jared Hurd, your Laras are there, your Charlos, you've got Jaime Munguia on the way up. You know, even the guys that are probably sitting at sixth division, I think they would even get Kelbrook fits because they've got that power. I mean, when you're when you're sitting there ranked in the top ten, you you know you've kind of got that power at that way, at 154. Yeah. You know, you can bang, and I mean, would Kel's face hold up, or you know, would even want that work? You know, I don't. I just get the feeling that Kel Brook. He just doesn't want the work anymore, you know. And, and I've had that feeling for beat Sean Porter. He just, he, he's always wanted. Uh, he's just looking to cash it when he can. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I think I think I agree with you on that. Actually, I think um, I don't think he is a hundred percent mentally the uh, as hungry as he was. To get the world title, I mean, obviously he had the adversity. He got what he got stabbed in the leg when he was in Tenerife, and there was there was a hunger and a desire there for him to come back and actually get back to the ring, which he did to win a world title, which he did. And obviously he took a, you know, he was he was he was fed to the fed to the cows really, weren't he, when he fought Golovkin? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that, that that, terrible. it's it for me. That's kind of. That's where the tables have turned, really. I think that's where that fight's ruined him. I, I, I really think that fight with Golovkin has ruined him now, and I think that's why... I, I mean, if I was him, 
and I'd been in the ring with someone like Golovkin. Uh, I'd have a problem with it. I'd have a problem with one eye socket. I go in against Errol Spence Jr., who's another elite fighter. My other eye socket goes. <sighs> I don't you have know. no confidence. Yeah, uh, your yeah. confidence goes in your own your, in what you can take. I don't. Uh, I, don't I, I, I think there's also similarities there. It just kind of came to me when you were fed to Triple G. <laughs> that could be like the kind of same scenario as what they were planning for Jaime Munguia. You know, build him up and feed him to somebody. You know, uh, uh, that, that could have been the same scenario with him. Uh, as I said, I think in a year's time, it will be what what's what's he going to be like in a year's time though? I'm going. <laughs> Do you know that's what I mean? I mean he's 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 going through and he's just sort of pummeling his opponents at the moment. Yeah, he's got flaws. We just mentioned that, but in another year's time, another few fights down the line, when you say let's let's hand feed him to a big boy, it, is he going to be ready at that point? I mean, he could he could well be ready for a massive fight, but even if he wasn't. It's the same situation with Canelo and Mayweather. He he was probably too young, but at the time was the only logical fight for him to take in the welterweight division at the time. So it's not done his career any harm whatsoever by that loss to Mayweather. And Jaime Munguia, I think at his age, if he was fed to someone like Canelo and Canelo beat him, I think we'd expect him to come back and, and maybe sort of take a similar route and come back even stronger. I mean, that's what Canelo's done. He's been able to do it. And Jaime Munguia could be the same. He could be the next big star and I, I do think he needs a lot of work I do think he, he needs more fights you know more world level fighters on his record but again he's, the only time's going to tell with something like that whether or not he is he is going to be an elite fighter or whether he's just sort of world level and then that's as far as we're going to go with him yeah absolutely I mean, he might be one of these guys he'll fight to the level you know you, you get Tyson Fury's and I even think the Huey Fury does it as well he'll fight to the level the, the man he's facing so if maybe when he's fighting Liam Beefy Smith he knows that Liam Beefy Smith's not going to be able to hurt him you know so he knows that Brandon Cook's not going to be able to hurt him so he's been lazy but actually like Erislande Lara yeah Lara might not have the power to, to, to get him out of there but he'll He'll make sure anytime he makes a mistake, Lara will punish you. That's one thing about Lara. He's a, he's one of the most skillful boxers about. He's just so lazy sometimes, you know. That's yeah. why he doesn't get the credit. But if you put him in with somebody like Lara, I think like uh, that could be his Floyd Mayweather Canelo moment. I think he needs. I think he needs a name like that on his record now. I, I think that's what he's gonna. He's gonna need to get to that next level. He's gonna need a few names like that. I mean, who else is floating around? I mean, someone like an aging Austin Trout would still be a great name on that's his record. I was just going to say Austin Trout would be a great shout as well. Do you know Austin Trout might even be wanting to put your money on thinking about it. Yeah, that could be that could be made quite easily. I think as well, and that'd be. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see that next for him. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's actually, it just kind of, when you just, I was just about to say it and then you say it first and I was like, I, that's, it actually makes so much sense. could be the one that he chased in because he's a big name, but he's, he's so maybe it's like just going there and getting that name, getting with somebody with that, you know, he'll learn for it, you know, it's, that's the kind of fight, that's how you build a fighter. Yeah. You put him in the guys that maybe only on the decline, but they're still going to ask you questions when if he's just Brandon Cook out. You know, no disrespect to Brandon Cook, but if he's just blasting him out of the ring, that he, what is he really learning? If he doesn't respect what's getting through back at him, why, why is he in there? You know, it, it happens too much, and it can it can actually be detrimental to a fighter. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I do agree. I think we've seen it loads over the years. I think I say it a lot about um, prospects and the journeymen. I mean, there's only so many journeymen a prospect can fight before you need to stick him in with someone that's going to give him a test because we know that journeymen are there to get paid and they're there to get paid every single week in, week out. So we know that they're going to be in there. They, they might give him a little bit of a test. There's a few out there that we you know we could talk about that are easily guys that would go in there now and again and, and get them wins on the road. But it's the same situation in my eyes. It's like you could go in there and stick Jaime Munguia in with 15 journeymen 15 guys that uh, have been gatekeepers for so long and he's going to fight the same way with the same style and when he comes up against someone who's got a bit of something to him like an Austin Trout or an Erislandi Lara you know he could be uh, he could be caught short on the night and and then that's why I think it's good like you say he needs to be built up with guys like that because there's no point of stepping him back down now and fighting somebody that's you know what a top 30 rank fighter in the world he needs top 20 he needs top 15 even um to keep going yeah yeah no i totally agree with that uh anyway let's let's move on we've uh, we talked a lot about the card at the weekend and uh before we go to sort of any other business any news and gossip that's been going on which uh i'm looking forward to that bit because it's going to be a really interesting one with all the stuff that's come out this week but <laughs> we've got uh, the biggest boxing coming up this weekend anthony joshua alexander pavetkin i was just looking before actually at the undercard for it and i just had it in my mind i was thinking yeah you know what it's going to be a decent undercard this and then actually when i looked at it i thought there's a couple of good fights on it but it's actually not really a deep undercard is it well it's becoming the norm now with the AJ the AJ pay-per-views the undercard's usually terrible and you can understand why because most of the people there are not interested most of the people that just they want to see Anthony Joshua they're not sure I'm looking at it and I was thinking right what fights are on on the card this weekend and I remembered that we've got we've got a WBC lightweight title eliminator between Luke Campbell and Ivan Mendy the rematch between the two and I'm thinking that's actually going to be a really good fight if, if Ivan Mendy turns up the same way he did in the first fight we're going to get a really, really good fight because we've seen Luke Campbell recover from that loss and go on to, to have some really big fights. And he's given a really good account of himself. You know, some some will say he should have won against Linares. Some will say that. Or some have said that in the past. But he's, he's, this is a big fight for him. If he wins this fight, I'm pretty sure it makes him mandatory for... Is it Mikey Garcia, who's WBC champ at lightweight? Yes. Yeah, it is Mikey, yeah. So it makes him mandatory for that. I, I, I did actually see that it might actually be... Who was it? It, was, it might be to go and fight Lomachenko. I'm sure I've seen that today. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. Don't don't quote me on that, but I'm sure I read a story today and saying that uh, if he wins this, it's like it could be Loma next. But uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, well, I've heard um, I've heard a lot of stuff about uh, Anthony Crawler and Lomachenko. I think people have been talking about that. I, only little whispers here and there, but I think um, I think they're trying to get Lomachenko over here. I think Eddie Hearn's trying to get him in the UK, and he's trying to again, <laughs> again he's going to feed somebody to Lomachenko. And I get the feeling it's going to. Obviously, I'm a Manchester man, so this is like you know, I'm Anthony Crawler in Manchester. He's like the new Ricky Hatton. Is is that loved here? So uh, I, I really, I really wouldn't want to see him fed to someone like Lomachenko if that happened yeah that, it's just a fight that does it does nothing for really does nothing for uh, Anthony Crawler um, it's, it, it, it would be painful to watch to be honest with you and especially with Crawler being such a nice guy you know you wouldn't like to see that getting done to him um, 
But as you say, it sounds as if talking about him, so it sounds as if Eddie Hearn's desperate to get him over here for somebody, so somebody's gonna have to take it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I mean a Luke a Luke Campbell Lomachenko fight, um, just talking theoretically, I think uh, that that would be a lot more of an evenly matched fight than it would be a, a Corolla Lomachenko fight. I, I I wouldn't I'd still be favouring obviously Lomachenko because he's you know, he's been he's been ranked by the ring magazine as their pound for pound number one in the world. So you're going to expect Lomachenko to be the heavy favourite if, if Luke Campbell was to get through. But I'm pretty sure it's Mikey Garcia. And I think there was talk of if Garcia moved up a weight, then he would he would basically fight for, for that title against whoever they would stick him in with. I mean, they're essentially, Ivan Mende and Luke Campbell are uh, sort of number one and number two in the WBC ranking. So whoever wins this gets the title shot next. Yeah, yeah, spot on, because I've just pulled it up on Sky Sports News and it says it's for a DBC title shot if Mikey Garcia vacates. So this all depending on Mikey, which I think he actually will. Cause I think Mikey's... Uh, I didn't believe him, him now that he's going up for the Errol Spence fight, but it says there also talk with, about Campbell and Lomachenko as well, so that's where I've heard it for. Um, but I, I think Campbell's a much better fighter now than when Mendy beat him the last time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Against Jorge Linares, the, the, his jab. I mean, his jab with Linares, you know, he was unlucky because uh, Jorge Linares can be mentally weak. And there was points in that fight, he looked as if he might he might be about to break him. But Linares, I think for me, he, he won it. You know, but it was a lot closer than I predicted to start. I thought it might even have been a shutout. But oh, Campbell went in and gave him a, gave him a run for his money. Yeah, I've, I've just pulled up the WBC rankings now as we're talking, and WBC have got Ivan Mendy at number one, Luke Campbell at number two. So obviously they're fighting for the right to fight face the winner, which is obviously Mikey Garcia. Uh, Lomachenko is the WBA champion, and we know that uh, prior to Ray Beltran fighting Pedraza uh, a few weeks back, that they were going to try and line up. Bob Aaron was going to try and line up the fight between Pedraza and Lomachenko later on this year. At the end of the year, now that's not coming off. They could be quite a possibility that the winner of this they're going to be looking at that and maybe looking at that unification instead yeah yeah i wouldn't be surprised wouldn't be surprised um but as i said it was like, it'd be good to see Luke campbell back in the ring because i just i know i think he lost his dad um i might think he lost his dad just before the linares fight, yeah. which uh, you know just kind of shows you the, the mentality of that he, he stayed in camp you know, he went and did that, your biggest fight in his life, uh, and did himself no dis- disgrace, no disservice. Um, but, you know, it, it shows you the lad, it, but I just think he has to, now he's got to push on, he's got to be a more regular. I know he's training with Shane McGuigan now, so I think that Shane, he's already, look, Campbell's got that lovely job, Shane will, work and he'll teach him how to take it to the body, and, you know, he'll become one of the, like, he'll, don't, don't be surprised if you see him putting Mendy out. Where one of these body these left hooks to the body that Shane McGuigan seems to teach all these guys how to do. I think I think we've got to see him beat Ivan Mendy and we've got to see him do it convincingly as well because Ivan Mendy obviously dropped him in that fight from what I remember dropped him earlier on in the fight and then he just he just struggled all the way through that fight and he wasn't a surprise when he got beat at the end of it and the points uh, were, the scores were, were read out and we, we knew he had to go back to the drawing board after that and we knew he had to uh, get himself mentally focused again and he's come back and he's looked really good 
Uh, he looked really good against Linares, and I think he's obviously shown that he can hang it at world level. So he needs to go in there and beat Ivan Mendy, and he needs to do it. Uh, I'm not expecting him to go in there and knock him out. That's not what I'm saying. If he did that, that would be a great statement and, and a great way to sort of put himself up there as uh, you know as one of the world fighters. But if he goes in there and beats him, he's, he's putting himself in prime position for a title shot, which could be against Lomachenko, and it could be early next year sometime. And you could imagine that. Or maybe on the undercard of the uh, April Anthony Joshua fight that they've got penciled in, you know that could be a fight on there. I mean, it did, it would deserve headline act for me that, but I could see that end up going on the undercard of another Anthony Joshua fight if Eddie Hearn has his way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But I, I would just like to see Luke about Luke uh, getting out a bit more. You know, he's thirty year old now. Yeah. So I mean, he's got to be coming. He's got to get himself in there in the boot. If it's gone for him it's got to happen you know in the next 12 months definitely 18 months you know or, or he's never got it for him you know so this is him he's got to bring it and it's a big chance for him a big stage you know but casual fans will probably fumble you know so getting on to an AJ undercard there'll be it'll be a chance to like, bring himself back and if he goes out there and puts in an impressive performance that'll be the Sky shows because I mean Sky's only really good next gen shows in there you know they've got Lewis Ritson and that headlining shows yeah. see Luke Campbell would, would fill a problem you know what I mean there's a, there's a big gap for him there he could be Sky Sports kind of head, head man you know yeah, no, definitely. I totally agree. And he, he kind of feels like he's um, he's been kind of left on the shelf a little bit, you know, left on the sidelines. Well, we've got uh, oh, the Anthony Joshua show and, you know, they, they seem to be primarily focused on their main star, which is Anthony Joshua and guys like Luke Campbell uh, and, and poor Dillian White as well. These guys like these are kind of being left on the sidelines a little bit, you know, even though they're going in there and they're going with in. With a thought with- for a world team. Title if else. Yeah. See if he wasn't my match room, he would have fought for a world title. You look at Dillian White's CV, and although I'm not the biggest Dillian White fan, his CV speaks for itself. Exactly. Then you go back and, and look at um, Anthony Joshua's CV, and when he fought for a world title, it's nothing compared to what Dillian White's fought, and yet Dillian White's still doing people's eliminators and, you know, getting knocked back. I mean, I mean that, that no gun. Final eliminator in Bulgaria. That was that was a terrible decision. I, I can't, I can't, I just can't fathom that. You know, just to, just so they could get another pay uh, per view show in London. But Dylan White isn't getting any younger. They're using him as a centre half to protect AJ. You know, he, he's sitting there. Well, he's like a sweeper. You know, <laughs> yeah. to protect AJ. But yeah, he's not going to get a chance until until Eddie says I'll take it as a voluntary. Oh, it's uh, you know what? It's uh, I'm hearing today actually uh, the talk of Gillian White and Chisora fighting in December, and that being on pay per view as well. Yeah, I heard that as well, and I think that they're going to make it the same night as Frampton. Uh, Warrington, for for what uh, for, for what I've been told, that that's looking like it, the mid second of December or something. yeah, twenty second, yeah, yeah, twenty second December. That'll be uh... so. I mean, boxing fans better get to getting the weekends done with their work and getting the overtime done because <laughs> it's going to be an expensive four months for you. And you know, it's, it's it's diabolical, it's shameless to be honest with you. Yeah, that's, that is another can of worms, isn't it? The whole pay-per-view situation. I, I'm hearing, just going off subjects just a little bit, I'm hearing on the grapevine, I'm, hear, I'm hearing also from a reliable source uh, who I cannot mention because it would damage them in, in, in ways that you couldn't imagine in terms of their job. But I'm hearing that we're going to hear an announcement of 
Deion Wilder and Tyson Fury this week and it apparently is being done to kind of coincide with the whole Anthony Joshua fight week stuff <laughs> to, basically to take the sh- take the shine off it how many people predicted that you know I thought Frank maybe of a uh, try to be the bigger man I was like oh, that, that sounds like more than Eddie Hearn stunt but it just shows you oh Frank yeah oh Frank's <laughs> just as petty as the rest of them <laughs> well, I can I, you know they just it's one of them things they they if they take this fight the fight that Eddie Hearn's not been able to make then they, they you know they just kind of oh man they just kind of sl- it's a slap in the face for them isn't it with a big metaphorical fish that's what it is it's a big slap in Eddie Hearn's face. Well, and I, I says uh, I, I wrote an article about this. It was what if Tyson Fury wins? Because the only Wilder's team will have a rematch clause in there, so that'll be sheer before I, I can be before Wilder's available. Yeah. Or, or Fury, super fight done. So it's just what's AJ going to do? Go back over old ground? Go back and beat Dillian White? What's he going to do after that? You know, chase down Chisora? Who, who's, who wants to see Anthony Joshua fight Joseph Parker again? You know, nobody wants that. You know, he's, he's, it feels to me as if he's missed the bus. And uh, he, he looks as if he's one. And, you know, it, it, could, it could come back and bite him. Um, you know, because. All it takes is the IBF to say that, listen, you're fighting Huey Fury for the I uh, and a mandatory. Yeah. You know, Matchroom will probably not want that, so they'll, they'll end up dropping the belt. Then that makes that super fight because it's no, it's not going to beat. See, who's undisputed champion? That that'll be off the table. You know, it just it feels as if like the ring grid might just cost them and. And in, in, in a way, I actually hope it does, uh, because there was the numbers that they were all talking about. There was there was no need for it to be any bigger. How could you know just agree that they were getting offered a bigger purse than any other fighters been paid than any other heavyweight fighters been paid in history? You know that uh, the biggest heavyweight purse in history, and it still wasn't enough. So you know if that's not enough, then go and go and fight your free fight and make the 50 million you know I think that you will because we want to hear the tickets on the selling too well for the for this up this fight this weekend so yeah I've heard that as well I've heard that the tickets aren't doing so good as well so that's uh, that'll be an interesting one to see what the actual uh, gate receipts will be out at the end of that one but um, we're we getting off tangent a little bit let's talk about Matty Askin Lawrence Okolai that is uh, that's a really good fight for the undercard actually I'm really chuffed with that one as well and obviously I know it's been announced for weeks now and uh, it's getting close to the time but I really wanted to to touch on it because it's it's, it's a fight that I'm really looking forward to and I've got to admit Lawrence Okolai he you know, he, he he does what he says on the tin. He's like Ron Seal, isn't he? You know, he goes in there and if he says he's going to stop somebody, he does it. Or if he says he's going to beat somebody, he's doing it and he's, he's backing up the trash talk. That's what he's doing. Oh, Lawrence O'Cole is a breath of fresh air. This, this fight is... Uh O'Coley Askins fight is the fight of the weekend. Not, I don't think anything comes close to this one. You know, O'Coley, you have to give him all the respect in the world because he's no hanging about. You know, every fight he's stepped up, stepping up. Uh, so you have to give him all the respect. Um, Matty Askins is a guy who was in the verge of chucking boxing just a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, he was just helping a friend out. Uh, I think I think it's Peacocks that they're in. He was just helping his friend out and come back into the ring. Now he's fighting. He's living the life properly. You know he doesn't get drinking after his fights. He lives the life. Uh, he's fighting. You can tell when he's fighting that he does no pressure. You know he's fighting with a clear mind. Yeah. And the way that Matty Askins rebuilt his career for to, uh, in his twilight, his career fantastic. I think he's going to. Uh, if Lawrence Akoli can go in there and stop Matty Askins, Lawrence Akoli is ready. That's that's my opinion anyway. If he can go 
Daniel stops on Askins, who's a really, really skillful fighter. I, I, I would not be surprised if Askins beats Okori, and I don't think there would be any. I can't believe the bookies of go Askins at like 10 to 1 for a decision. That I cannot believe that. No way that this is a 10 to 1 fight, so go out there and get your money on this. Um, Askins might be a, might be the underdog, but he's not that much an underdog, you know? No, no, I agree. I totally agree with you on that because the thing is, a couple of years ago, as he was saying, he, he was on the verge of just saying, you know what, I'm done, I've had enough, I'm not doing any more. But he's come back and I'll tell you what, he's had a right good career resurgence on this one. He's, he's really come back and he's really shown us that he has got a lot left in the tank and uh, he's doing well up there uh, with, it, with with Michael Jennings in his corner. You know, obviously, he's got, he's got great experiences behind him and he's obviously... In, you know, he sort of put that onto Matty Askin and the experience he's had, and he's he's moulded him into such a better fighter. Uh, and, and obviously, when he won the title he, against Craig Kennedy last year, he was fighting again at the time, und, an undefeated fighter. He beat Tommy McCarthy before that, another undefeated fighter, and then he beat Simon Barkley. <laughs> so three undefeated fighters in a row he beat and then he beat Stephen Simmons which was uh, I, I wasn't expecting him to beat Stephen Simmons the way he did earlier on this year yes. I was expecting a yeah, few exactly. more rounds out Stephen of that Simmons a big boy in it Simmons is a big boy in it I mean he dealt with Simmons quite easily you know uh, he didn't float him with that vicious body shot and then the way he done Kennedy you know he actually made Kennedy look like a like a you know, he made them look like a boy didn't know what he was doing, and I, I, that was all done to Matty asking and his and his and his team. You know, they just know how to go in there. They, they'll pick the flaws, and Matty Askins has got the, the boxing brain and ability to go in there and execute and show up. You know, like the way. He went to Simmons' body. It was brilliant, but he just tried, he fainted it two seconds before, which you see all the great fighters. Then you see Josh Taylor do this. Just before they do it, they'll faint to see your reaction, and then they'll do it, you know, maybe like two or three exchanges later for real. And, he, and the way he walked Simmons on and like, flowed him with that body shot. And I mean, I know Steven, Steven's a big, strong lad, and, you know, to, to see him doing there wincing in that pain, you know, he. You kind of know that there's a power that Matty Askins obviously has got in their hands as well, which you don't really hear about either. No, no, I agree. We've got to look at all also, like you said about Lawrence Okolai as well. You look at his record, and before he fought Isaac Chamberlain, he'd basically been in there with some well-known journeymen uh, and a couple of European journeymen in there. And then all of a sudden, he goes in with his grudge match against Isaac Chamberlain in February this year. So he beats Isaac Chamberlain, undefeated fighter, a bit of a stink fest fight that one. It wasn't really a clash of styles for sure. Uh, beats Luke the Duke Watkins in a fight which uh, was was a really good fight as long as it lasted. I wasn't expecting him to blow away Watkins the way he did. I thought it would last longer than what it did. And that's two undefeated fighters now and two undefeated prospects on his record. And now he fights a guy in Matty Askin with plenty of experience behind him. And I really think this is... Uh, like you said at the start there, I think this is going to be probably the show stealer of the weekend. Yeah, big he really does. He's so unorthodox. How do you prepare for somebody like Okoli? You know, he reminds me of that in the way that, like, how would you prepare for that? You know, you don't know what he's got to do, and he's a big boy, you know, he's... You know, he's got a good future ahead of him, probably heavyweight, but the way he's just keeps stepping up, he's fearless, and obviously his team are confident that they can take Askins, because, I mean, they're no sitting there, it's, oh, Chamberlain, right, got him out the road, oh, there's Watkins, get him out the road, you know, straight away, we want Askins, 
asking, you know, but if they get asking at the road, he's just probably just missed out. He's unlucky that he's just missed out in that world boxing. So if they beat Askins, you would say get him in there. And that, you know what I mean? Get him yeah. in there. And that's the level you should be mixing it at. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, for I agree. me, Matty Askins is just running about that level. But, uh, you know, he's untested back at that level. The new Matty Askins. My dear, we Askins. If Askins beats uh, Okoli, then you need to say that get, Mary, get him in with Mary's Bredis and all that next year when the, when the tournament's finished. I don't think he's got a great deal of time left in the cruiserweight division. To be honest, I think mean, he said it about the fact that he's huge for a cruiserweight. He's six foot five. He's he, you know he's as tall as Anthony Joshua. <laughs> he's a big guy, he, you know, and he's he can if he goes to heavyweight and puts on the extra bit of bulk, he, he he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think, and and the way. His unorthodox style, you know, he's seemingly being able to take out opponents. He's, he's a nightmare. He must be a nightmare to prepare for. He really must be because he's so unorthodox in the way he fights. And I think I think he's not got length left in the cruiserweight division. I think you're right. It just it's just a shame he's missed out on the second cruiserweight World Boxing Super Series. But I think if in the next twelve months you see him start to get in with the likes of someone like Brady, like you say, I think that's that's where you want to kind of take him if you're going to keep him in the cruiserweight division. If you're not, you need to move him up really and start working on a plan for the heavyweight division because I think eventually he's going to have to go up to to heavyweight. He's t- he's, he's he's huge for cruiserweight. Massive. Yeah, he is. He is huge. Yeah. It was actually I was in York Hall and sat thinking I was like Okoli must be near enough up at the balcony when he stands in that ring. When you're sitting watching middleweights fighting, I was like, if you were to see Okoli, I was like, he must be up at eye level with the people sitting in the balcony. <laughs> you know, he's that big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Uh, David Price also on this on the card, and he's fighting Sergey Kuzmin, which uh, I just feel like it's going to be another one of them horrible pricey knockouts. <laughs> Yeah, that seems to be the general consensus. And, you know, it's starting to get me a question. But I've always thought that the people behind the scenes, the people on your team were there to look after you and give you the harsh proofs. But I'm starting to get the feeling now that that's a lot of gems because that seems to be a great... I've seen it with Amir Khan. You know, you can tell Amir's starting to slur his words. He sounds a bit drunk. He's searching for his... And interviews, when you watch him when he was younger, he spoke 100 miles an hour. Now he seems a bit drunk. <laughs> and uh, and Pricey is the exact same way. Well, he's going to go the exact same way. Somebody has to tell David Price he has to get seriously injured. Do you, do you think it's just a case of... Uh, he's got the punching power. There's a chance that he could hurt this guy the same way he did hurt Povetkin momentarily um, and, and was on the verge of potentially stopping him if that round was any longer. Do you think it's just a case of, right, he's got a puncher's chance, he's probably being offered a decent sum of money for the fight and he's thinking, uh, how old is he now? He's about 35, David Price. At 35, you know, it's it's time to kind of get as much as I can and, and then call it a day, but there's only so many times you can do that and get away with it I mean we've seen that you know the fighters go on for too long and, and and really look like a complete shell of them for themselves and it's not like David Price got to any level like of any legendary status uh, to, to compare him to anybody like that you've seen the likes of Roy Jones go on for too long you know someone like that is different because he created such a legacy for himself beforehand however with David Price he hasn't he hasn't created a legacy he's kind of like he's going on too long he's being money He's being thrown at him by by Eddie Hearn to say, "Come on, Pricey, we'll get you on this show. It is whatever. Uh, we just want to see two big lumps go at it and, and maybe see a highlight real KO for the undercard." 
Yeah, well, that's it. The, the, it's exploitation. Uh, get him on because we know that he is going to road or he's got the power to kill the other guy, you know. But it, it just gets to the point where you were saying Roy Jones and that there. The thing, Roy Jones and that didn't take a lot of punishment towards the start, you know what I mean? He was very elusive. He didn't take a lot of big shots. Whereas Price is there to be hit with everybody. And if that Povetkin fight, that was scary. Any normal person gives a heavyweight a free shot at them, the chances are that you're going to end up with a brain injury. Now, nobody's going to tell me that the way Pricey get, he get caught with one shot, which knocked him out when he was bouncing his feet, and then took another free shot, that's got to take years off your life. Or it's, got, it's got to do severe damage in there. People responsible for putting that fight on are the same people responsible for this. But they start having to look at themselves. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's quite immoral having them in there. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I wasn't really. Uh, when I seen him on the card, uh, I thought, oh, Price is back on the card here. Um, and then I seen him he was against. I thought, no, <laughs> this is not the right thing to do for Price. This is going to be another Price here. I, I mean, I'd love for him to go in. Like I said, against Povetkin, I'd love for him to go in there uh, and, and, and smash his opponent, Cousin. But. I don't see. It. He's got too many fragilities, too many fragilities in his, in, in you know, in his defences. Uh, he plods. He doesn't seem to even uh, have any movement anymore. He just seems to be sort of glued. His feet are glued to the centre of the ring, and he just sort of stays there and, and just tries to land one big shot. And then in the process, gets caught himself. I don't want to see that, but I just get the feeling that's going to happen on on, on Saturday night, and and the fans are going to get casual fans are going to get what they come for sometimes to these shows, which is to see a big knockout like. And he is a giant a man, so see when you see him getting knocked out, it's quite impressive. You know, it, I mean, the, the time it takes his head to fall from the way up there to the ground, you know, it's, it's like watching it in slow motion. But it's just, you know, it, I, I don't guy, but I've obviously just seen the, the, the pictures, uh, the videos on Twitter of him flooring Joe Joyce, stopping Joe Joyce in the amateurs. Yeah. So he must have the, the banger. He, he must, he must be a bit and you just fear for price and then you go out if he does one you fear even more because then next time maybe, maybe he needs this one more big loss to offer it so it'll no, I, I, I agree. I, I do agree with it because I think it's... Um, I don't want to see it happen, but I just get the feeling it is going to happen on, on, on Saturday night and it'll be it'll be a shame, but maybe it'll be the wake-up call as someone in his team finally need to intervene and say, look, it's time to call it a day now. He's, you know, you've done what you've done in boxing. You know, call it a day now before you get seriously hurt because it's, uh, it's, it's not good to see it, to be honest with you. It's, I mean, we all love a highlight real KO. Don't get me wrong. I love it as, as, as much as the next guy does, but... When you sort of see it come to a point where it's like, uh, it's, it's becoming a bit sickening now. It's becoming to the point where it's uh, it's not entertaining for fans anymore. It's not entertainment. It's actually a man's life. You know, the guy goes in there for our entertainment and it's a man's life at, at, at stake. And we've seen it happen to a lot of fighters. I mean, I was, I was just going off subject quickly. Nick Nick Blackwell, uh, he came out earlier on uh, in that interview that he did uh, last week, I think it was, when he said he had a concussion going into the Eubank Junior fight. Yeah, yeah. That's right, and then and then obviously you see what happens to you see what happens to him, and we get the concussions. These guys need to start respecting that. You know, it's no something. These brain bleeds. I mean, you're seeing it for the NFL in America. They're already started putting was it three billion dollars the NFL's stuck aside waiting for legal cases to start uh, for compensation. They've got to need to pay it because of this what it's doing to people over there. You know what I mean? Yeah. In boxing, we need to more. You know, to get in. Into this research. 
Yeah, no, agree. Uh, right, let's get on. Let's get to the final bit of the show then, uh, in this week's episode. And it's just sort of news, gossip, uh, any other businesses, let's talk about it. The first one, uh, I've got to talk about this because everybody's talking about it in the past 24 hours. If you've not been on social media and seen the video of Billy Joe Saunders pulling up at uh, the side of a, a clearly, uh, well, it's a clearly vulnerable person. I'm not going to be brutal and say it's a crackhead, even though I just said it, but it, that's what people will say. It, it's obviously a woman who's who, who's vulnerable and he's pulling up alongside her and he's offering a crack, he's offering 150 quid uh, and then the, obviously there's a guy that, uh, you know, a, a passerby walks by and he's just about to walk past and he's says i'll give you 150 quid if you go and smack that guy over there he's a paedophile he's a nonce go and give him a smack so she she walks up to him she says oh you're a paedophile whack cracks him across the chops uh and then obviously you know he finds it hilarious him and these guys in his car find it hilarious they drive off and it's just caused so much uproar and you know for me this is um he's done some stuff on social media and you think to yourself actually that's pretty funny but uh, you're kind of borderlining of you want to laugh at it but then you've got your moral compass kind of thinks I shouldn't really be laughing at it but I did but this this, this, I didn't find this funny to be honest I really didn't and I I think it's not very good for the sport I think all those young kids that are idolising someone like Billy Joe Saunders they've got access to social media these days they're going to be seeing stuff like this and this isn't the way to, to, to put yourself across especially as a world champion is it? Well, that's it. And, you know, uh, as you said, this just a few weeks ago, uh, he was winding up an old man in the street. And, and obviously, a lot of people thought that was funny. I didn't particularly find that funny either. You know, you could tell the old man didn't really know what was happening. Uh, I was like, they're taking a laugh at that. That's because uh, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't enjoy it at all. If anything, the day, I, every time I thought about it today, I was getting myself more angry about it. Um, you know, he's a millionaire. You know, Billy Joe Saunders is a millionaire and he's selected this, you know, this person uh, walking down the street. He's selected her because she's an easy target. You know, I, I, I know the, from where I'm from, I know drug addicts that if he would have put up and tried them, you know, he would have went away with a sore face. Um, you know, it, so he's actually, and he knows that he's selected her. He's made a fool of her. He's humiliated the passerby that he had assaulted and called a paedophile that that man's now branded a paedophile one of the worst things you can become um, yeah. and and then this girl her family you know or it could be somebody's mother is now all over the internet humiliating them i just think i was uh, it, it's quite it's chavy it's something you would expect the neds or uh, neds we call them in uh, scotland and chavs in england you know it's something you'd expect for these idiots that hang about street corners no the wbo world champion you know the guys of people you know he's a bit of a fool yeah, no, he is. I just, I'm pretty disgusted with it, to be honest with you. And it's the talking point for a lot of people in the past 24 hours. And I know that the British Boxing Board of Control, obviously, are not very happy with him. And they've obviously called him in to uh, investigate it next week. And uh, I don't know what's going to come of it. What would you see as an appropriate punishment for something like this? Well, uh, and for what I hear, there's a police investigation. And all the police says it was a disgusting video, I think, in their statement. And they're trying to trace everybody involved in it. Um, I know that the other two people in the car, one of them was Kid Galahad and the other one was his brother as well. So I don't see why Kid Galahad hasn't uh, pulled up front of the board as well. Because he certainly found it hilarious. Uh, but but would be a pro- probably a suspension. 
Spanking, spanking his life. Uh, because it's not the first time, you know, and, and every time it's getting worse and worse and worse. So, but, but if he gets away with this time, what's him, you know, they're going to go beat, beating up homeless people. What, what, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's got to be a line. There's got to be a line to draw, isn't there, with this? And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens over the next coming couple of weeks. But yeah, I think I'll have to start with that one because it was it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. And I can't, I, I can never condone anything like that for for, 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 for for social media. Come on. I mean, you see some funny stuff on social media, just general sort of gifts and memes and all the rest of it. But this, yeah, come on, this is just ridiculous. I want to move on. I, wanna, I don't want to focus too much on the negative side of things. I want to focus on some of the positive stuff. I was talking a bit earlier about Lomachenko fighting potentially Luke Campbell. I've just been reading on social media what we've been doing the podcast that he's apparently being lined up to fight Jose Pedraza in December at Madison Square Garden Theatre, which is uh, quite interesting. That's actually come from the Ring magazine. That's them who've reported on that one. That was the original plan for... Lomachenko was to go in with the WBO champion, which was Ray Beltran at the time, and Pedraza beat Beltran. Uh, it's actually looking like maybe we're going to get Pedraza against Lomachenko instead. Well, it's a unification, so I've got absolutely no problem with it. Um, this is a good, competent fighter. You know, he went in there and schooled Beltran on very short notice. Um, you know, so. I feel a bit bad for him because he's won that title and right away he's been served up to Lomachenko. But I mean, hopefully, um, and and then that's that. But I'm I'm quite happy with the fight. You know, I I think Pedraza is a competent boxer. He's got skills, but he's not that kind of level. You know. But I feel sorry for him in a way, you know, he's kind of just been served on a platter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think uh, we were talking about this, feed him to the lions, I think is the word we want to use for this. I said feed him to the cows, but he's feed him to the lions. That's the saying I was always trying to think of. <laughs> but no, I think, I think, I think he's definitely just feeding him straight to Lomachenko, Pedraza. It'd be a shame for him to... To, to, to you know to lose that title as quick as he's won it, but it's a it's a fight that like you said I've got no problems with it either. I want to see a unification fight. I want to see these types of fights happening, and if that goes ahead, I'll be happy with that. And also uh, up in November sort of December time, uh, ESPN are reporting that Dimitri Bivol versus Joe Smith Jr. the guy that ended. Bernard Hopkins' career, the last, yeah, is uh, reportedly being planned for sort of a November slash December HBO card, which apparently is also going to feature another guy who've been speaking about today, Jaime Munguia, making another defence of his title. Ah, good for good for Mingoya again getting out again, staying active is quite a throwback to the old days. But uh, Joe Smith Junior and Bevo, um, I, well, you know, I, I like Joe Smith. He's a he's a working class man. Um, you know, when he beat Bernard Hopkins, he was in his work, what, two days later, um, he works in construction, uh, I've seen the pictures of him with his belt, and, uh, you know, it was like squad of men, um, so, you know, I, I love that, as a throwback to kind of like the old days, so it'd be good to see, again, and you know, the boy can bang, but yeah. he's not the greatest fighter, you know, he's not going to should take care of him easy, but, you know, Bivol will have to be on his, uh, have to be on his, his best game, because if you give Joe Smith a chance to catch you, I mean, he's not scared to throw the bombs at you. And you know what? He's got nothing to lose. No. MD that's got nothing to lose is a dangerous opponent. I agree. Uh, another little piece of news that's coming out, uh, you've probably seen yourself already on social media. What do you think of Bradley Skeet and him vacating the British Wildway title? Well, I just finished a 12-year shift, so I've only really seen Bradley Skeet's tweet about it. I've not actually went in and read too much into it, but... I seen that he, he, he was already thinking about moving 
up uh, and he's kind of uh, I think he's somebody in his gym one of his stable mates I can't remember is going to be fighting uh, going to be fighting for the vacant title so uh, good on Bradley you know I think he's hung about a bit too long at British level and I think when he stepped up in that European fight and uh, when he went to Spain you know it kind of showed up why you shouldn't hang about at a certain rushing on because he went over there and nobody, he, he went for an unknown quantity and he really shown up badly uh, you know it, it was a, he, he viciously beaten in that fight and maybe it's time he, he knows himself that he has to get moving up and test himself he's, he's better than British level yeah no I agree um, I, th- I think he, he needs to get moved up like he's like he's saying he's going to do get moved up get some fights under his belt you know he, he's, he's not getting any younger we need to see him in some in some big fights if he is going to try at least to get himself up to that world level I mean there was talk in the last 18 months of him at one point potentially fighting Manny Pacquiao and now it's just like the news that's coming out today is just like, oh well uh, Bradley Skeet's just vacating his British title from going from that to potentially fighting Manny Pacquiao to vacating your British title it's it's worlds apart literally so I, I want to see him move up I want to see him get a, another crack and maybe see if he can go anywhere in the super welterweight division as well um, another bit of news uh, I don't know if you've read anything on social at all you've been working but I've just been reading about the fact that Eddie Hearn's confirmed what his plan is for the undercard of Alexander Usyk and Tony Bellew I don't know if you've seen any of that at all no no right so here you go I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list it off what they've proposed so we've got Joe Cardina versus Scotty Cardle Scotty getting fed up again <laughs> yeah uh, Ryan, Ryan Walsh and Isaac Lowe too well, that's not too bad, is it? No, no, it's decent. That was a decent fight the first time around. Josh, Josh Kelly as well on there. Josh Kelly, who's he? Who's not announced an opponent for that one? Yeah, <laughs> uh, see, Josh, Josh Kelly, Josh Kelly is somebody we need to see getting kind of put in with somebody with somebody we know. I'm not saying he has to be getting put up to like at a level where he's it's a fifty-fifty fight. Start seeing him against a live body, you know, so we can start. Assessing this boy well, you know, same like Joe Cardina. We know that the guys get skills. But let's get them in here, the guys. Uh, they, they, we know who they are. Yeah, well, uh, it's funny because the next fight that's been proposed for it is uh, another man we've been speaking about earlier on, Anthony Crawler uh, versus Dowd Jordan. Which uh, I'll be honest with you, before actually looking him up, I didn't really know a lot about him. No, I've never even heard him. He, uh, he's mainly fought he's mainly fought over in Indonesia that's why a lot of his fights have been either in uh, Australia New Zealand or Indonesia which is his his hometown he's, um, I think the only name on his record that you'll probably remember uh, is Celestino Caballero yeah and how did they go on with that he got, yeah you know he got beat on a unanimous decision <laughs> So he's he's thirty he's thirty eight and three. He's got twenty six knockouts on his record. Uh, he's only been stopped once out of them three losses. So it looks like for me, we were talking about Crawler earlier on in the episode, and we were talking about the fact that potentially being fed to Lomachenko. It looks like they're trying to build him up, don't they? It looks like they're building him up again to maybe get that one big fight before he calls it a day. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that's it. You know, you got a feel for Crawler. Uh, and even Ricky Burns as well, you know, similar, is once they lost the world titles, they kind of became irrelevant. You know, they were never going to be good enough to win them back again. Yeah. And it was, you know, you kind of felt for them because of Linares, Crawler, I come down for Glasgow, a big group of us come down, you know, I have a Forgy Linares, but was, oh, everybody would come down. We all had a great night, you know, but it was a, uh, 
it was great seeing, you know, as you said, Manchester loves Crawler. There was that night, you know, it was packed to it. And to think that the Crawler, but two years later, uh, you know, he's, he, there's no really a lot, there's nowhere, there's no really anywhere he can go. And it's, you just feel for him. As I said, I feel the same with Ricky Burns. You know, I've been to big, big nights in Glasgow with Ricky, and now he's totally irrelevant. You know, he, sport anymore. Yeah, no. I know I'm waiting to see what happens with Burns actually. So not heard a lot coming out of the Burns camp recently. I'll be interested to see whether or not you'll get another big fight before he calls it a day as well. Well there was just a rumour that my friend Scott Johnson put up that it was someone he had heard I just seen and he was saying something about Beltran in Vegas. Right. Next year. Uh, no, this year. Uh, Burns are fighting. Sure, that was his tweet out, and he was asking if anybody else So I phone it, to be honest. But uh, if that if that was the case, that would be good to see. I suppose, uh, you know, I mean, the first fight wasn't that. It uh, wasn't, wasn't, I know they called it a draw, but it wasn't that competitive. Beltran actually smashed it. So it'd be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I don't see either Krong left in the sport. The, the sport doesn't need them anymore, and it's a shame. No, I agree. I think it'd be a good, uh, if they did fight in Vegas, they had one more fight between them. I think it'd be a good way for them both to end their careers, win, lose, or draw. Good payday. Um, but, you know, not, lose it, not losing to. Uh, an unknown name they're losing to a name that's you know got got something there someone that's been a, a multiple weight world champion you know that that's that's a kind of a good way to kind of bow out really I'd say rather than losing to somebody that's uh, unknown and unfancied yeah that's it man I was like I mean you've got to the point now what I did is it what I go fight in a next gen undercard in Newcastle or does he want to bow out and you know under the I guess you know it but do you want to go and bow out in a big fight in America going to fight in a name like Beltran I mean I mean Beltran might not be the very top you know but he's a he's a, been a great name he's been a good servant of the sport you know he's in with all the best if you were to lose to Beltran you've got that name on your CV yeah, no. oh, I agree. Uh, all right, I think it's sort of maybe not time to wrap it up. Then is there is there any other stuff that I've not covered off that you wanted to discuss? Um, no. Um, so as we've kind of covered everything that uh, I had in my head to talk about, anyway. Cool. Well, uh, tell everybody uh, if they don't already follow you on social, where can they find you? It's at DJ D G A Y Boxing Blog. That's it. That's where we are. Uh, boxing Blog. Uh, not. D- Facebook, that's a page to like as well. Yeah, uh, your website as well for all your articles is djboxing.com. Cool, ah. so easy to remember. Yeah, you're, you're quite active on social media. I see, obviously, I'm always there uh, looking at a lot of the stuff that's going on, and you're always there and there about what's popping up. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell <laughs> I'm my bosses. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure we won't say anything more. <laughs> no, in, in, in fairness, I do see you popping up in certain conversations when it when it involves a good uh, topical debate about something to do with boxing. So uh, I think if, if for the guys that listen to this podcast, you know, if they give you a, a follow on there, um, you've got some great opinions, you've got some great stuff, you've got, you know, you do some great articles, and every time I see an article, I have a read of it, and then I think, right, I'm going to retweet that, get that share, share the love, get it out there, um, get reading it because that's 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 the way it's uh, that's the way it gets out there, isn't it? That's it, mate. That's it, man. So just a one big family, we kind of push each other through. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, right, well, it's been great having you on. Uh, a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time after a long twelve-hour shift, coming straight onto this podcast to do uh, just just over an hour. <laughs> no, no problem, Sean. Thanks very much for having.
going to enjoy my show on there. I've got a road off my chest tonight. <laughs> right, well, just to finish it up then, uh, everybody, you know where to find us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast on Facebook. Uh, we're on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes. You know where we are now. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.